The passage that I am going to preach from tonight is out of Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. It took me a little bit to figure out what I wanted to say to you and what passage would be appropriate for me to read and to at least try and um, expound for you this evening. And after searching a little bit, this one jumped out just it bursted out in front of me and it became abundantly clear that this was entirely appropriate so philippians chapter 1 verses 3 through 11 it reads like this i thank my god in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you all are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. End of reading. Father, speak now through your servants all too imperfect and very feeble lips, those that you have gathered here tonight. I ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, why don't we start with a joke that mixes both religion and politics since it is the season, eh? <laughs> a priest was being honored at his, uh, at his farewell dinner after 25 years serving in the parish. A leading local politician who was also a member of the, the congregation there was chosen to make the presentation and give a little leaving speech at the dinner. He was delayed and so the, the priest uh, decided to say, well, just a few words while they waited. I got my first impression of the parish from the first confession I ever heard here, the priest said. I thought I had been assigned to a terrible place. The very first person who entered my confessional told me he had stolen a TV set and when stopped by the police had almost murdered the officer. He had stolen money from his parents, embezzled from his place of business, had an affair with his boss's wife, was a drug addict. I was appalled at everything I was hearing. But as the days went on, I, I knew that my people were not all like that and I had indeed come to a fine parish full of good and loving people. Well, just as the priest finished his talk, the politician arrived full of apologies at being late, of course, and he immediately began making the presentation and giving his speech. Quote, I'll never forget the first day our parish priest arrived. In fact, I had the honor of being the first one to go to him in confession. <laughs> Dean. 
You know, I had to go out with at least one cornball joke before being done here. Well, the only reason I start with that is because I am going to spend some time talking about some of you tonight. But rest assured, I am not going to do anything near what the priest did to that poor politician. It's time. We've made it here. It's, uh, it's my last Sunday, my last sermon. Uh, frankly, it's hard for me to even say those words, to, to utter the word last. Uh, part of it, I, I'm sure, has still not sunk in for me. Uh, for the last five years, five plus years, as uh, my wife can attest, so much of my time internally, physically, every part of me has been just utterly consumed by epiphany. Making sure that you know that we, we have enough money to, to minister and to pay the bills. Making sure that we've got some strategy to try and grow so that we can become a self-sustaining church. Trying to go out and evangelize people and meet new people and, and welcome new people as they come to our services. And then thinking throughout the week, how am I going to best do that? Oh, I know I'll reach out for them for a cup of coffee and then we'll get dinner. And then, well, you know, this has been constant. The other day uh, on Facebook, as I was beginning the process of writing this sermon, I posted, I have no idea what to say, but I have oh so many things that I want to say. So to, to that end, I've been wrestling with what kind of sermon I should give to you tonight. What kind of farewell sermon should it be? Well, I suppose, I mean, it would make a lot of sense, and you've definitely seen this before. I could go with the good old exhortation sermon. There are, after, after all, plenty of examples in Scripture of that. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is about to leave the church in Ephesus that he had been ministering to. And, and twice in that passage in chapter 20, he says, pay, pay careful attention to yourselves and your flock. Later he says, be alert, remembering Remembering that there's people out there to get you. He exhorts them to be very attentive. In 2 Timothy, Paul's final letter to his closest disciple, he says to Timothy, exhorts him, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. In our, in our text today, Paul gives an exhortation of a sort to the Philippians, although it's sort of in the guise of a prayer for them. He says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It's appropriate for me to go this way, to exhort you. It is no secret that what Epiphany is shifting into looks something more like it did in the beginning, as I mentioned. For the foreseeable future, gatherings will not be held here, will not be held in a church building, will be held in an apartment. There will be no liturgy like we do here on Sundays. It, it could be really easy to, to just drift apart but my prayer for you is, as Paul's, that your love for one another would abound more 
and more. My hope is that in the meantime, you would, you would get connected to a local church for worship, for knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. I think it's fair that I exhort you to that. But the truth is, I'm not, I'm not really worried about that for you. Uh, because the love of your fellow church members at Epiphany has often been one of the primary drivers that's gotten you here in the first place. Maybe, maybe some came for the worship service experience, but nearly just as essential was the community, if not more. So many Sundays, man, so many Sundays. We gather in the fellowship hall for over an hour after the service because everybody just couldn't shut up. Everybody was just happy to be together. One of my favorite things about Epiphany happening very early on was seeing the bond that was happening with people to, to where people that didn't know each other at all suddenly were friends and grew deeper and deeper in that friendship to the point where, where some of y'all are going to be in touch for the rest of your life. When Sam and her crew of sous chefs, or Shaney at the beginning, when she started making meals for us, would get together and provide that for the church, the church would be beaming with joy and life. I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again because, you know, this is the last time I get to do that. A while back, I had Will do one of his great promo videos for us, and I had him go around asking the question, what makes Epiphany so special to you? Why do you love Epiphany? And uh, pretty soon it became very clear that Will was not going to hear much of a different answer because almost everyone said the same thing, the community people, the community. So I exhort you, continue to foster that community that God has formed here. Now, there's probably a bunch of other things that I could exhort you to do. There is. There's a ton of stuff I could exhort you to do. There's, there really is. But you know what? That is not going to cut it for my farewell message. I just, I can't spend this whole time haranguing you about what you need to not do and what you need to do going forward. I, I got other stuff that needs to be done. I mean, so, so I suppose I could go in the direction of basically doing like a memory sermon, like a remembrance sermon. After all, in our text today, we hear Paul do that very thing with the Philippian church. What does he say in verse 3? I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I had a lot of memories come rushing back to me this week as I thought about this church. And like Paul, I have been moved to thank God for you, for your partnership in the gospel. 
I remember so clearly moving into the apartment just over five years ago in August of 2015, finally getting everything in, just focused on getting everything in the building and you know, getting enough of a bed together that we had somewhere to lay our head that first night. Excited, excited about the idea of planting a church. And then waking up the next day and immediately being filled with terror. Because all of a sudden, it went from, hey man, this will be cool, we'll just like start a church, to like, oh my gosh, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You don't know anybody, Eric. You've got your wife, three kids, at that time not even a dog, you just had a cat. What are you doing? Honestly, I was afraid. And yet, at the same time, I remember when that happened, being comforted that same day, because I knew at the beginning I at least had one other person, and there really was one other person. She lived in Brooklyn that said, I'm with you. I'm here to help. Some of you know her. Her name was Kathy Hagelin, or is Kathy Hagelin. And for the first year and a half, couple years, she served wonderfully and faithfully by my side as the church's treasurer and other things that just kind of needed to get done. And I gotta tell you, if you want a stressful job in the church, be a treasurer for a new church plant. Who are you? That is, that is the definition of instability. Dom, don't say anything. I remember with Thanksgiving, recruiting Dom all the way from the great country of Staten Island, not long after we got started. And man, oh man, what a gift he has been to me, and especially to you here at Epiphany. Don is going to be the guy that's going to tell you that he's no big deal, that he's just doing what he can to help out, doesn't want any credit, he's just an average Joe. And he means that he doesn't want any credit. But you who have been here for a while, you know better. You know that Don is basically like the associate pastor of Epiphany. Week after week, he's done basically everything and anything that needed to be done in order for Epiphany to exist. Set up and tear down, fill in preaching, graphic artist, treasure. I mean, he did this. I said, this is what I want to do. I want to say, I love you, Epiphany. He's like, no problem, I got it. Done. I remember all too well how I felt when I received the news that Don had his heart attack, that not only would I lose my closest partner in the gospel in this church, but more importantly, I would lose a man that has become a dear friend. I also remember with great joy, and I have the pictures to prove it, remember the great joy I had in being able to visit him in the hospital and being able to administer to him the very body and blood of Christ that once again promised that no matter what might come health-wise, on the last day, we'd both be okay. Yes, as Paul said to the Philippians, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. I can still remember the absolute joy I felt when we were just getting ready to launch worship services 
And Matt Maloney said yes to being our worship director. I had reached out to him before when, when I'm sure he could clearly see that we were not anywhere near ready to see if he'd be interested. He's like, eh, I'm not so sure yet. You know, I don't think he knew where he was heading yet. But then being blown away when he reached out and said, I'll do it. Time after time, I've asked him to adapt to different musical styles or learn new songs, and he has done it with ease and not a single complaint. Soon after he got going with us, he enticed some great other musicians, and one of those musicians has been our vocalist for years now, Kat, as she has sung beautifully for us and faithfully for us week in and week out. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. You know what's awesome? I met Viet just before we launched our first service, and he agreed to check it out. And what's awesome, what's so, what's so great about that story is, of course, the first launch service, everybody from anywhere that's a part of our network of churches came out to celebrate. And so Viet walks in for our very first service, and the place is packed to the gills. I mean, 200 plus, no room in the pews for anybody else. Viet walks in, it's like, dude, this guy must be an amazing preacher. His first service ever. And it's filled with a brim. And so the guy eagerly showed up the next Sunday and saw the reality. <laughs> there was 21 people there that next Sunday. And he kept on coming. And has become a great young leader in this fellowship, welcoming Newcomers with open arms and a gigantic smile, consistently bringing new friends. I remember when Johannes came to the church for the first time and declared that he did not want to be part of a Lutheran church. Well, here we are. He's still here, folks, and for quite some time has co-led our community group ministry. Time doesn't permit me to tell of all the memories I have that caused me to give thanks to God for you all. Sam's meals and her just devotion to doing it. I wish she was here tonight. But you who know, know. Getting together with Gary for conversations about law and theology. Kenny's amazing laugh. Connor's desire to talk about metal. Hannah's friendly spirit and the fact that she does the sign of the cross every time she receives the supper. Brian Prachi constantly engaging in utterly stimulating conversation about apologetic and philosophical matters. Isaiah and Linda, whose lives are trophies of God's grace. And I could go on and on and on. I give thanks in all my remembrance of you. I have baptized here, I have cried with you here, I have laughed a lot with you here, and hopefully through it all, somehow have been able to point you more and more to Christ in the midst of this life. And so it turns out I'm not going to do the memory sermon. Forget it. I'm not doing that. And I'm not going to do the exhortation sermon. No. I'm deciding to go a different route. Um, I'm... I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach a Christ-centered sermon. Because 
More than anything, what you need from your pastor today and always is that. That really is the very essence of our passage today. Did you catch it? Paul squeezes right in the middle of exhortation and thanksgiving, memories, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers of me, with me of grace. I'm going to preach that soon. A sermon that focuses your mind ultimately not on any hardship to come, but on the hardship that's been won. A sermon that focuses you not on the cross you must bear, but on the cross that has been born. A sermon that focuses you not on what Jesus would do, but on what Jesus has done. That's going to be my sermon topic today. It's going to be about Christ. The truth is, through the last five years, I have often felt weak and fearful and trembling as Paul describes himself in another letter as I have ministered to you. I have often felt very much over my head in it all. And when I did, I, I focused on these words over and over again, found in 2 Corinthians, where God says to the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, but my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In the final analysis, it has always been and always will be the message of Christ that is strong in the beginning, in the middle, and the end of Epiphany Church. When you are weak, he is your strength. When you are trembling and fearful, he is your wisdom. When things look unstable, Christ. When you get discouraged, Christ. When you suffer, Christ. When you rejoice, Christ. When you sin, Christ. When you lose, Christ. When you win, Christ. When you are tempted, Christ. When your pastor leaves, Christ. When the finances fail, Christ. When the attendance shrinks, Christ. In all things, in all times, in all ways, Christ. So here we are, we've come to the end. Why did God create Epiphany in the first place? What was he up to in all of this? I mentioned the community he formed, and I mentioned the people he's used. But all in all, if you want to know, if you really want to know what sums up Epiphany for me, 
comes down to a message from our friend Isaiah. Because it is a message that I will hold on to for the rest of my days. Why don't we hear from him, shall we? Okay, what epiphany means to me? It means my life. Uh, all my life, I've known what I wanted to be. It was a bad guy, a drug dealer. And I carried that through and through, like started that in eighth grade. And that's all I wanted to be. I mean, I've been addicted to every drug there was. I've tried everything there is to try. Sold everything um, all across the US. Um, I got an awakening last year um, at a great time. Like I suffer from a, a head thing called a schizoaffective disorder, which you bipolar, you hear voices and stuff like that, which kind of pushed me away from everyone. I um, stopped looking at friends as my friends, family as my family. I kind of got shut out. I shut myself out from everything. And well, I ended up in a homeless shelter and some guy at the right time just told me the right things that, you know, God's there for you. He puts you on your path and no matter what you can do, you'll never get off it because it's his path for you. And he, w he wouldn't put you there if it wasn't meant to be. So that struck me pretty hard at the lowest point in my life where I didn't want to fight anymore. I'd given it up. I'd, I was tired of fighting. I was done. And that's all I need to hear. And then uh, I slowly came um, through my in-laws, actually brought me to Epiphany. They go to Eric's church in New York or New Jersey. And uh, they told me just eight blocks down was a church. So I started coming here a week after Mother's Day and I've been coming ever since and love it. A couple of weeks after I asked uh, the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart just from what had happened here, what I'd learned, what I had heard. It's a life changer for me, this place. It saved me. It's, it's great. And I don't know where I'd be without it. Probably not around. I've tried multiple times in the past because I couldn't handle it by myself, thinking I could to try and end it, either with pills or cut both my wrists. I slashed my face. I have burn marks all over, all self-inflicted because I didn't know how to, where to direct anything. But now God, he gave me a chance to to change my life around. And what I want to do with my future is relate to other people where I've been. And I think I can touch a lot of people that way and show them the way that I've been taught. Jesus Christ is the answer, Lord our Savior. Amen. Yeah, that's the message I want to leave you with. That's it. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, we thank you for all that you've done in the life of Epiphany over these last few years. We thank you for the lives that have been dramatically impacted and changed 
by your presence, by your grace, and by your mercy. We pray for those who remain, that you would uh, cause their love to abound more and more. We pray for those who are now far away, who have moved out of the city or wherever they have been led to, your richest blessing would go with them and that they would be ambassadors to the gospel where they are. We thank you because you have been with us every single day. Now, Father, we pray the prayer that our Savior gave us with one voice saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.